Today we have an opportunity to uh, hear from one of God's servants. Brian Cushman is coming to share about what's uh, going on in in ministry that they're involved with, and also too, um, I'm sure we'll hear a little challenge from uh, from God and in, in 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 his sharing as far as uh, uh, what we can do to support the ministry, but also too maybe maybe as you're as God's speaking to your heart about the need to be involved with ministry in some way. Maybe this is another step. But I trust that we would all just have open hearts, open ears, to hear what God has for us today as Brian comes and shares. So, Brian, why don't you come and share with us today? Thank you. It's good to be here. Technology is a wonderful thing. I work with it all the time when it works. When it doesn't work, it can be a real pain in the neck, as many of you can probably attest to. Um, I am Brian Cushman with World Gospel Mission. This is my family. The first time we were here would have been back in 2005. Wes was 10 and Madison was 8. And as you can see, they've grown up a lot. Go to the next one. Madison um, was married two years ago and just graduated this last spring from Indiana Wesleyan with her degree in nursing and is now a registered nurse at the, at the hospital there in Marion, Indiana, where we live. And my son, Wes, just got out of the Marine Corps uh, this last May. And um, he married his wife a year ago. And so they have all moved back and he's got the GI Bill. And so he's going to be going to school there in Marion as well. And so, as I said, it's been great to have everybody coming back. And so there's been a lot of developments in our family as well. We, um, about 2014... We became licensed foster parents in Indiana, and we had about four children come into our care. And Josiah was one of those, and uh, through about two-year process, the courts revoked his, his the parental rights of his biological parents, and he was up for adoption, and he'd been with us for about two years. And go ahead and go to the next one. And so when they approached us about the possibility of adoption, it just seemed natural. And just praise the Lord for him. He completes our family. The other day, he um, came into the living room. He's always getting into things. He came running into the living room, and all of a sudden, this smell hit me. Boom. I thought, what in the world? I looked at him, and he was all smiles. And I said, what did you get into? His eyes got really big. He looked at me, and I, he didn't want to admit anything. He, didn't want to <laughs> he wasn't going to, to admit it. And I said, what have you been into? He just sat there and stared at me. And he had gotten into Paula's essential oils. And, and he had three or four different flavors. <laughs> and it just smelled the whole house. So he is quite the stinker. He just um, started school this last... Um, this last week, or two weeks now, I guess it is, um, we did take him off the bus. The first day of school, he was licking kids. The second day, he was biting kids. <laughs> so you're trying to teach him. All you have to do is say, what's your name? I'm Joey. <laughs> but um, we're working on all of that. But um, he is such a blessing and a real treasure. Go to the next one. <clears throat> How many of you ever heard of the saying, I'm just a small cog in a large machine? What's it mean? It means I'm insignificant, right? It means I'm not very important. It means I'm not very necessary. 
Is that true? Go to the next one. I can remember as a little boy, and I never knew my grandfather as a farmer, although he had been a farmer before, but before I was born, he fell off a hay wagon and crushed his hip. And he went to Elgin, Illinois and became a watchmaker. So I knew him all my life as a watchmaker. And I can remember he had this special bench. I think my uncle still has it. And he was always bent over and he had these little eyeglasses with those little loops on them so he could see down into that little watch. And I can remember during holidays when the whole family was there and all the cousins were there. And I went back to the house that they used to live in and I can't believe how small it was to have everybody there at one time would have been amazing. But it was just chaos. And I can remember when the word would go out, stop! Everybody stop! And all the grandkids had to just freeze while all the adults got down on their hands and knees and looked for that little insignificant screw or cog or spring or whatever it is that had fallen off the bench. There's no such thing as an insignificant cog or machine in a machine. Without those little pieces, it doesn't work. And I want us to think about that this morning. What is your purpose? What is your part? Where do you fit in what God is doing? God has established the church. It's a big machine. And He has very specific plans for each and every one of us to be involved. Which cog are you? How, what is your purpose? What is it that God has set for you? Go to the next one. I want to review just a little bit because I've shared this with you when I was with you before. Acts 1.8 tells us that we are to be witnesses, that the Holy Spirit will give us power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For some of you that are new that didn't hear this last time, I want to go through what is our Jerusalem, our Judea, and our Samaria. First of all, our Jerusalem are those who are culturally like us and geographically close to us. Our Judea are those who are culturally like us but geographically further from us. But our Samaria are those who are culturally different but geographically close. And then the ends of the earth, culturally different and geographically far. The role of the local church is to reach those first two those who are culturally like them. Mission steps across cultural boundaries. And what I always understood uh, most of my life as far as missions was culturally different and geographically far. But I have come to find out that the Samaria, which was right in the center of Israel, and Philip had ministry there, because we see in Acts chapter 8 where John and Peter went to find who were the members within Samaria of the church who had been baptized and evangelized. And Samaria are those who are culturally different, but geographically close to us. Those are those who we have been called to reach. Culturally different, but geographically close. Go to the next one. We see Christ as our example. The woman at the well. I may have shared this with you as well when last time I was here. And He approached her. A man approaching a Samaritan, a Samaritan who was the lower than the low, dirt, and especially this kind of woman, the kind of life she had lived, 
been with five different men, and none of them had been her husband, or the one she was with was not her husband. And he knew this, and he ministered to her. And what did she do? She went out and got more, more Samaritans. And if you read that story, the apostles were out on errands getting things. And when they came back, here's this group. And Jesus Christ took the opportunity to reach those who were culturally different, but geographically close. Go to the next one. Our ministry, the ministry that we're involved in is in USA Hispanic ministry. And I know that where you live here in this area, in the Portland area, you have a lot of Samaria. It may be um, the, the, the um, homeless in Portland. It may be somebody of a different nationality. But there are those who are culturally different, but geographically close to you. We have to think missionally in order to reach that. Crossing cultural boundaries. And this is what God has called me and my family to do. For two terms, we were in Bolivia, South America, in Cochabamba, where we worked with the seminary. And the whole time we were there, I found out later that there had been Hispanic pastors from Honduras, from our Honduran National Church, who had immigrated here to the United States and started planting churches here in the United States. Go to the next one. And a lot of these churches, the next one again, these churches are found all over the United States. Many of these, in fact, the ones in Ohio, are church plants. What's exciting to me about the ministry that God has called us to is that usually when World Gospel Mission would go into a location, a region, we would start by evangelizing, preaching, evangelizing, planting a church, getting a congregation together. After that was established, we'd maybe meeting in homes or even in the missionary home or in some location. And then we'd have work teams that used to come and start to help us as we built a church. And that may take one or two terms. A term is five years. So it could take anywhere from five to ten years to establish that church. Missionaries doing that all over the country. And for decades, that would take place until we had a group of churches and then we'd bring all those churches together and we would have them vote on a president, a vice president, a treasurer, secretary, and establish a denomination and give them their autonomy. That was the whole first step. Decades it would take. And then after that first step was completed and they had their autonomy, then we walked side by side with one another and did ministry together as a mission organization and as a denomination. What's exciting to me is, is we have been invited back here to the States to work with these groups that they've already established. They already have that vision. They've already done that first step. They're already taking the initiative. We get to come in and step right inside beside them and work with them. And one of the goals that they had was not to have to immigrate church leadership from other Latin American countries, but to establish and train church leaders out of the churches that are already here. And I had been working with the seminary in Cochabamba, and so they invited us to come here to the States and start working with these churches on how can we develop church leaders that are already here, people who are being evangelized, people who are growing up in the church and being able to establish these church leaders. And it's exciting to me to see how God has been working and so all over in these different areas, we have churches planted. And even in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and as I said, in Ohio, the Ohio churches, 
There's two in Columbus, Ohio, are brand new church plants within the last two or three years. And so the Hispanics that are here have already got that vision. They're already sending out their own. And the thing that they want is to get a formal education and preparation so that they can do the ministry that God's called them to. They already have the calling. It's already there. Many of them aren't waiting. They're stepping in and already doing ministry. We don't have to worry about assigning them practicum. They're doing that. Now we're just giving them the formal education that is necessary. Go to the next one. <clears throat> when we got this started, I was trying to figure out how to get this done. I thought, okay, let's establish, uh, uh, assign professors to a region and they'll go to that region after the students have done the work at home and have an intensive course on the weekend and we can just rotate the subject with the professor to the different regions because the geographical size of the United States is daunting. How do we do this? Well, that wasn't working very well and it was very, very expensive. So we thought, let's look to technology. So we got um, Open Meeting, I think it was called. And Open Meeting kind of worked. Uh, the thing is, it works great with Microsoft, but not some of the other operating systems. And so we had some problems with it. And so we were trying to figure out what to do. Skype works really, really well. And so we were able to do a class with a specific church at one time. But we ended up finding Zoom. I don't know if you're familiar with Zoom. Zoom is like Skype, except you can have multiple computers connected all at the same time. I can take and put a PowerPoint, a video, any document that's open up on my computer. And this here is an outline that has popped up on my computer. All the students are over here. It only shows four of them. There can be more connected and they can all see the assignment. They can even project it up on the wall, just like we have here. And you'd be able to see and have class. And so this has become, it's, it's, I've realized just the flexibility that we have with it. Whole churches will come together and the students in that church will come and they'll meet. They'll do this kind of a thing where they're projected on the wall and we have class and I can see them there in the video. There's another group in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I see them sitting there on the couches in their, in their house and they plug the TV in, or the computer into their TV. And so I am lecturing from the TV and they've got the assignment or the, the outline up there. They've got the manual in their lap also had an interesting experience. I don't know if I shared this with you last time I was here, but we had a couple who had, couldn't, they worked at night and couldn't meet us in the evening when we normally met. So I was going to meet with them midday the next day. They didn't show up and I texted them and said, are we gonna have class today? I said, yes, but we've lost our internet at home. We need to find an internet and we'll be there as soon as we can. About 10 minutes later, they pop up on the screen. There they are sitting in their front seat of their car. It's raining outside. They've pulled into some driveway, into some parking lot. They're piggybacking off of some businesses out internet and they have their iPhone sitting on the dashboard of their car with their manuals in their lap, their pens in their hand. And we had class right there in the front seat of their car. Thankfully, I was at home, very comfortable there. <laughs> so it's turned out to be very, very flexible and we're able to use this. Go ahead and go to the next one. In 2014, we had our first graduating class and we've had a graduating class every year since then. And it's been exciting to see. Yes, they're already in ministry. Many of them were already going out into ministry. Go to the next one. 
We had in that class, the first class, we had Jose and Julia. Julia was our valedictorian of that class. Jose is her husband, and they were doing ministry in Waukegan, Illinois. And the Waukegan Church took them as soon as they had finished with their education, and they were already doing ministry in Waukegan, but they sent them first to um, Madison, Wisconsin. And they were trying to establish a church there, and it didn't go very well. They couldn't get a regular church. So the church decided to send them to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And they went to Milwaukee, which is just due north of where Waukegan is, and they established a church. Go ahead and go to the next one. We had three, their, their three first converts that they had there. Uh, Jose and Julia were so adamant about education and about being educated that when these first started joining them and coming regularly, they said, you guys are going to study too. And they signed them up. And they graduated several years later. But now these, all of these, Jose and Julia, we had the preliminary classes that we offer, and I can share that more with that um, with you later on. But now they are working on ordination. And so all of them now are in the same class working on being ordained into ministry. And so we're excited to see how God is working in the lives of these who are here, establishing themselves. This is home to them. This is where they are growing their families and getting an education and being able to share with others. Just about every, well, every one of them are bilingual. They all speak English and Spanish. But these that are studying with us still prefer to read and write in Spanish. Those who are graduating from high school from those churches who now prefer to read and write in English, we're encouraging them to go to an established institution that's already here in the States to get their schooling. And so what we are focusing on is that first and second generation, those who prefer to read and write in Spanish and yet feel a call to ministry. And so those are the ones that we're keying in on and trying to work with. Go ahead in the next one. We also have some new opportunities. Um, one more slide. I had an invitation this last, um, what was that? I think it was, well, it was this, um, this win last winter to go in June to Bolivia where we had been uh, ministering before. You'll see Wilson here. Wilson is a good friend of mine. He's a pastor of one of the, the head churches, the leading churches in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And he had been... Um, elected as Secretary of Education for the denomination. And he had some challenges. And one of the things was setting up a curriculum for the rural churches. Pastors who came in to the university in Santa Cruz, once they got their education, they had their debt, and they wanted a, a church and the opportunity to work in the city and didn't want to go back out to the rural areas. And so trying to figure out how to get pastors trained and ready for rural ministry. So Wilson started bringing those who felt led to ministry into the seminary and have intensive courses. And so they invited me to come and share a class in apologetics. And that was part of their curriculum. Uh, for those of you who, does anybody not know what apologetics is? Everybody knows? Good deal. Maybe I should explain it anyway, just in case nobody wanted to raise their hand. Apologetics is defense of the faith. It answers four basic questions. The existence of God, the possibility of miracles and how we define miracles, uh, Scripture and the authority of Scripture, 
and especially the dual nature of Christ and who Christ is and if he said if who he is if who he claims to be is really who he is and so those four things of defending the faith and being able to share and so that was my topic with the students go to the next one had a good time with them we were there for two weeks having class every night had an opportunity also to participate in two radio broadcasts and also to speak in some of our leading churches and the university church on Sunday. And so God is using us to even go back and minister. And there's even talk about next year in September, possibly of going and doing the next class, the next group that's coming through in apologetics with there in Santa Cruz, but then also possibly going back up to Cochabamba and sharing with the group up there as well. And so we ask for your prayers about how God leads us in that. Let's go to the next one. There's also some new possibilities. We have um, established education. Go ahead and there you go. We have established um, centers of education in Mexico, Honduras, and Bolivia. They are already doing the work of education. What we don't have is in Argentina, Paraguay, and Peru. We have I've had the opportunity to work with a missionary in Peru. He's taking classes with us, and so we are having classes internationally he's in peru i'm in indiana and we connect on zoom and we have classes and so i'm looking at the possibility of being able to use this system and see if we can't start helping to establish a decentralized education program through argentina paraguay and um, peru the challenges like in argentina is economics um, their economy is very very poor they struggle with being able to pay $5 for a class. And so how to get this to all work out, to be able to get them the material for them to be able to print it out and distribute it, and for us to have classes, those are the things and the challenges that we have. And so we ask for your prayers, uh, how God would lead us. This is something, a goal, that's something we want to do, and yet if uh, God has a different way of doing it, we don't want to get in His way. And yet if He wants us to use, to use us to accomplish this, then we don't want to miss the opportunity. Go to the next one. This last uh, year, in December, I got a call from a gentleman that we work with in Elgin, Illinois. He is an international lawyer and started a curriculum for Hispanics. It's a curriculum that we use, and he's allowed us to use it. So we use his curriculum, and he provides the IT, and we provide the professors. And he contacted me, and I don't know how this came about yet, but he recruited 18 pastors in Africa from the Congo. These are Congonese pastors. And they speak French as their first language, but they also speak English. And they are refugees. They left the Congo because of the war and all the things that were going on and went to Nairobi, Kenya. Can you go to the next one? <clears throat> this imposing individual is my contact in Nairobi, Kenya. And this pastor, this uh, individual in uh, the director of the University for Leaders here in Elgin, Illinois, in the States, asked if I would start teaching classes in English to these pastors in, in Africa. And I wasn't sure how this was going to work. There's a nine-hour difference between um, Nairobi, Kenya, and Indiana, where we live. 
uh, how in the world are we going to get this, you know, get all on the same schedule and be able to do this. And once again, we looked at technology. And I'm an, I feel like when it comes to technology or when it comes to mechanics, I can figure things out. When it comes to technology, I'm a little bit stunted in that, in that capacity. So I'm, I feel like an old dog being learning new tricks. And yet, uh, something that I've always been curious to me and that I've always wanted to, to kind of look at and, and experiment with was YouTube. I mean, I have different channels that I watch, different individuals that I follow. And so I thought, you know, what if we use something like that? Well, this last summer, I started looking. I developed a channel called Virtual Classroom. And I can control that channel. I record the classes. They get the materials there. They print them out in Africa. The University for Leaders does all of that. I record the class, convert it in, it converts into an MP4 format, and then I can download that onto YouTube. I get a shareable link and I send that to them. They can sit down at their convenience and watch the video, do the work in class. They send me all of their homework and I'm able to look that over grade that and then they take the tests online and so to me I never thought I'd be involved in something like this <laughs> um, not just this with Africa and YouTube but also with Zoom um, I really enjoyed our ministry in Bolivia where we had a centralized seminary where I went to and we had class and yet it's just not convenient in some cases and here we have an opportunity and God has been using it and so I'd invite you to, to consider and to pray with us how God wants to move in the future. We don't know where this is going or how much further this will go, but um, we just um, want to be obedient to what the Lord is doing and to provide, not just to provide for a need, but what God calls us to do. And so we'd ask for your prayers. Go to the next one. So I found with two languages, we are able to do ministry on three different continents. And again, that's all due to the glory of God. I never would have uh, uh, sought something like this, and yet God seems to be moving and directing us into some of these things. And I just praise the Lord for how He is helping us. I have a lot of good help through the mission, uh, good IT people who are able to direct me. They send me about five videos already on YouTube. And I knew how to use the YouTube, and that teaches you how to use YouTube. So you use YouTube to teach you how to use YouTube. And I, I like YouTube because it helps me on mechanic stuff and how to change this, that, and the other. And so it's very, very useful, I'm sure you know. So God has been using this, and we thank the Lord for it. Go to the next one there. So being a small cog in a big machine. In the church, in God's church, there's no insignificant part. We all have a purpose. What is your purpose? Are you asking the Lord what His purpose is for you? How He would have you be involved? And I hope that God is, you are willing to be used in whatever that God has to use, but He wants the church to be involved with missions. Stepping across those cultural boundaries. And I'd invite you, when you leave the church today, go to the next one. Go downstairs, and we have our prayer cards down there on the table. There's some other material there. Please help yourself to any of that that you would like. 
But take a prayer card. Take it home. Think about it. Think about the things I've said. Pray about it and ask the Lord how He would have you be involved. Maybe there's been a missionary that's come before that God keeps bringing to your mind. Support them. Be involved with prayer and giving. And if God lays it on your heart to be involved with us, to be able to reach ministers for Christ, to be able to reach and evangelize a lost world, that's what it all gets down to. Every so often I wonder to myself, why aren't I involved more in the evangelizing of sinners? And yet, what do we do? Preparing. I can multiply myself through so many more. And I have to be reminded of that once in a while that the Lord is using those who graduate. Now all of a sudden we have so many more that can go out and do that. And it's not just me. And so, how would God have you be involved? Let's go to the last one. With God's help, we can reach a lost world. Ultimately, when we get to heaven, we will acknowledge and we will cast our crowns at His feet and say, you did it all. It was all through your power and your spirit. But He wants to use us. He wants us to be part of those very significant parts in the whole machine that He has for us. So I invite you to be involved. Go ahead and go to the last one. So if God would lead you to be a part, please be obedient. Step forward. Um, if you have any questions, uh, we're almost out of time. I don't know if there's any questions you might have that uh, something I didn't make clear or something I mentioned that didn't, I didn't um, speak to. Do you have any questions of me? I'll be in the back, and I hope you get a chance to speak to you there. God bless and thanks for the invitation.